Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles to back to the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 2. Last time we were together, we left Jonah uh, being cast into the ocean. In fact, uh, we kind of stopped at verse 16 for a reason because it's almost as if verse 17 really belongs with chapter 2. But uh, it says, verse 17 of chapter 1 says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Uh, and then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and he said, I cry uh, by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me. Out of the belly of of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, and in the midst of the seas, and the floods encompassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of my sight, yet I will look again towards thy holy temple. The waters encompassed me about, even to the soul, and the depth closed around about the we uh, around about, and the weeds were wrapped around my head, and I went down to the bottom of the mountain, and the earth and her uh, bars were about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up thy, uh, my life from corruption, O Lord my God. And when my soul fainted with, uh, within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayers came into, up unto thee uh, and into thy holy temple. And they that observed lying uh, vanities forsake their own mercy. Uh, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving, and I will pay that uh, that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and he vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. So this is a passage of Scripture about deliverance. Jonah, remember, uh, was on the ship uh, going towards Tarsus, being tossed to and fro. The the sailors were wondering what uh, was going on and how they were going to be delivered. They had thrown over all the cargo, trying to lighten the, the ship, and still it was being tossed about. And they were fearful of their life, and they were crying out to their gods, and each one of them were getting everyone in the ship to pray to their gods so that uh, they would find someone that would be able to bring them deliverance. And so they're uh, concerned and worried about their existence, and they begin to cast lots. Now, remember I told you that lots are like uh, dice, and they were used throughout Scripture, even uh, uh, 
you know, all the way back to Genesis and in determining the will of God or determining uh, the direction of God and, and seeking out God's direction. And so they were casting lots to determine who was at fault. And the lots fell upon uh, Jonah. And so Jonah finally confesses that he is... Uh, uh, he is from he's a Hebrew and that he uh, that God is is after him. So he says, you've got to throw me overboard in order to save yourselves. And he is thrown into the sea. It's interesting to note that Jonah most likely did not expect to to be swallowed by fish. He's. You remember I told you about last week about the fact that Jonah was in essence saying, you know, I so much do not want the people of Nineveh to hear the gospel that he was willing to uh, commit suicide almost, it seems like, or to have these people throw him overboard, the sailors throw him overboard to keep the gospel from going to Nineveh. And Jonah was had a great desire, uh, as all of us do, to live, but he felt as though his life was at, at an end. And he kind of, in this poem that's here in the midst of the book of Jonah, uh, describes what it's like for uh, him to be encompassed by the sea and he's going into the depths. And these are kind of his thoughts as he's going down to the very depths of the ocean. <coughs> found in chapter 2. Now, verse 17 is kind of like an overview. This is what happens. God, uh, after he's thrown overboard, God sends a great fish to swallow him up. But then we kind of take a step back and we kind of get a, a more intimate understanding of what Jonah's thinking as he's going in. And, and basically he's... I don't know uh, what anybody would think if, as long as they had consciousness as they're going uh, into the midst of the seas, he's thinking, this is it, I'm doomed. And so he begins to make his peace with God and he's, he's remembering his relationship to God as he's going down. And so he begins to, to call out to God and, you know, he's... Uh, in the dark and in the depths of the ocean as he's going down. There's been a lot of speculation as to what kind of fish could actually swallow a human being. Um, and there's been a lot of debate as to why, what kind of fish. Most uh, people think of Jonah and a whale because, you know, we do know of whales that are large enough to, to swallow uh, to be large enough for a human being to go into uh, their mouth and, and to go in there. But uh, there's a lot of question as, well, how does a person survive for three days in the mouth of a fish? What kind of a fish would uh, not only be large enough to swallow a human being, but swallow a huge gulp of air? in order for a person to survive and with that and how much air would they have to swallow in order to survive for 3 days in the depths of the ocean in the belly of the fish these are all questions that are very difficult for us to answer even a whale we 
do not know of a whale that would be big enough to do that, but we don't have to contemplate whether or not it actually happened because if God's able to create all that is, couldn't God create a fish that does all of that specifically for Jonah? A one-of-a-kind, special creation of God. An instantaneous creation, maybe even. I mean, God spoke into the existence, the, the stars and the planets, with a single word. He created all that we see. Is it too much to ask of God to be able to create a, a, a fish to do this incredible feat? I often think of Pinocchio, the story of Pinocchio, <laughs> when reading this, uh, at least Disney's rendition of Pinocchio and how uh, Pinocchio and Geppetto were swallowed by the whale and they lit a candle inside of uh, the whale and were inside the whale to seek, uh, seek refuge. And I'm sure most of us probably think of that uh, when we think of Jonah and the whale, but uh, I don't think, I don't know of too many people that probably carried around a, a candle and a, a way of striking a candle and lighting it in their pocket uh, on the off chance they might be swallowed by a fish and have to be, uh, have some light in there. But uh, hey, you know, the people today carry around lighters and they're able to, uh, to light them up. Who knows what they carried at that time. But most likely Jonah was in the, the depths of the ocean in this great fish in the pitch of dark. And he has lots of time to contemplate like we did during the midst of the great storm. And we had no electricity, no way of, uh, once the sun went down, of seeing to do much of anything unless you lit something. And so, you know, we begin to uh, get closer to God as we are left with nothing more than our prayers. Jonah is contemplating his situation. He begins to call out to God. Here's Jonah. Here's what, here's the, the big picture out of this. Jonah is a prophet of God, right? Remember that? Jonah is a prophet of God that was called of God to go and share the message of God's grace with who? The people of Nineveh. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. Why? Because the people of Nineveh were so atrocious and so mean, so ugly, that Jonah says, why should God give them grace? These people who deserve no grace. And so he's running away from the place in which God has called them, him to go in order not for... Uh, in, or, in his attempt to keep God's grace from them because he knows that if he goes and delivers the message of God that God's grace will be there and he doesn't want the, even the slightest chance for someone to hear the message of God and to receive God's grace. So he leaves and goes as far as he, way, as, as he can away from not only his responsibility but from others who may remind him of his call of God 
God upon his life. He wants to get out of Israel so that he won't be haunted by the the voice of God in his life. And so he's uh, boarded this ship and he's going as far away as he can in the midst of the sea. in the midst of the sea, a great storm arises, this great turmoil that's, that's rocking the ship, and he's cast into the depths of the ocean because he knows that it's his fault. Now, Jonah is the image of someone who deserves no grace from God. Jonah himself has become one who deserves no grace because he knows what God desires for his life. He knows what God wants him to do. But in the face of all that clear message from God, he says, I I know more than you know, God. Isn't that what he's saying? He's saying, God, you don't deserve to make this decision. I do. So I'm going to do something to keep your desire from happening. Jonah doesn't deserve any grace, and he's at the mercy of God. And in the midst of that moment of great peril, God still gives him grace. Even though he doesn't deserve it, at Jonah's Jonah's greatest point of weakness his greatest point of need God still extends to him grace to save him from the depths of the ocean God delivers Jonah by this miraculous thing now remember what the definition of a miracle is an event that is beyond comprehension, beyond explanation of human intervention. If we could explain what kind of fish it would be, it would be just simply luck that Jonah was at the right place at the right time to be swallowed by a fish that just happens to be able to sustain life for three days in the depths of the ocean without him dying. But no, it's impossible for us to name a fish that, that someone could possibly live in for three days and still survive. And that God would send that fish and enable that fish to swallow Jonah and preserving his life. And not only that, but delivering him on the shores of where? Does it say? The Lord spoke unto the fish and it vomited up Jonah upon dry land. Not only did God uh, direct the fish to to vomit out Jonah, but he happened to do it on dry land. What if he had vomited up Jonah in the midst of the ocean? Jonah would have been in just as much peril as as when he was thrown in to the ocean, except for the fact that the seas were not in such turmoil. But God tells the fish to go to dry land and beach itself and then vomit up Jonah. So he's able to be to survive. Well, when we have that situation in which we do experience the grace of God, uh, 
And when we do experience the very thing that we seem to think we know, we tend to be put in our place. And Jonah is put in his place to the point of which he realizes what God is attempting to do. He realizes that God is seeking to give the Ninevites the same grace that God showed Jonah in spite of the fact that Jonah didn't deserve grace. And so Jonah goes to Nineveh as God directed him to begin with. And we see in chapter 3 the beginnings of what Jonah does after his whale of an experience, his big fish story, so to speak. And we see that Jonah learns something, but he doesn't learn it completely, does he? We'll get to that at another point. But, but what we need to realize here is, is that God is no... First of all, we see the, 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 the truth that God is willing to give grace even when we don't deserve it. Jonah didn't deserve the grace that God gave him. Many times we don't uh, think about the fact that when we come and implore God for forgiveness for the things that we've done, when we know that we've sinned and we know that, that we don't deserve forgiveness, yet we come pleading with God to forgive us. God in all righteousness should tell us, no, I've warned you, I've told you time and again, I've given you so much grace, and this is just one time too many. But God doesn't do that, does He? He doesn't come to us and say, you know, we do that with our own children. I warned you, and I've warned you, and now it's just, now the hammer's coming down. You know, uh, now you're going to have to suffer the, the consequences of your actions. You know, we do that because we're trying to teach our children the right way, but that's not what God does. God e- extends His grace even when we don't deserve it. Secondly, we see that not only God gives His grace when we don't deserve it and so much more grace than we deserve, we see that God's no respecter of persons. God wants to share His grace with Nineveh. Uh, The Assyrians were, as I said uh, before, were notorious for their brutality towards those that they conquered. And they were notorious for the, the brutality of the way in which they treated other peoples around them. And that's part of the, the, uh, uh, the anger and the, the bias that Jonah has towards them. And yet God wants to extend His grace to them and give them another opportunity to live correctly, to live right, to see that He is God. Also, we see that God is not just the God of Israel in this. So much of the Israelites' history is wrapped up in the concept of, of their relationship to God, but uh, you know it's not very often that we see in the Bible uh, God's dealings with people other than 
the Israelites. But here God is trying to express His grace and mercy and love to someone other than the Israelites. And that's a reminder to us that that God's no respecter of persons in terms of His grace being applied in today's life. We're not the ones to determine if this person is worthy of God's grace or that person or this person with tattoos up their arm and uh, or across their forehead or on their eyelids or in their mouth or wherever or the piercings that are all over their body to the point where they, if they were to ride a motorcycle down the road without a helmet, they'd whistle. They've got so many holes in their head. It's not our decision as to who... God would extend His grace and His love. It's our place merely to share the message. It's our place to share the love of God, especially when God calls us and God directs us to share that grace and love. And thirdly, we need to understand that even in spite of the fact that we know all about God, we're not so high and mighty that we can't do things that we too need to have God's grace applied to us. So many times I've encountered people in church that have gotten to the point where they say, well, I'm just a good Christian person. I've been a member of this church for 40, 50 years. I've been a Christian for longer than you've been alive. I've heard them all. I've heard all those things. And yet they failed to realize that they were not being anything like Christ in that moment. We too need God's grace, no matter how good we think we are, no matter how a good of a life that we think we can try and live, that we deserve God's grace no less than those people that God is calling to, to His forgiveness. We need God's grace as well. No matter how good we think we are, no matter how righteous a life we think we live. Look, Jonah was a prophet of God. He was God's spokesman. But in this time of rebellion against God, in this time of simply not wanting to do... Look, he's not committing a sin, but he's not doing what God's called him to do. He is sinning because he's not following after God's direction in his life. He's not doing what God has told him to do. No, he's not going out and worshiping an idol. No, he's not going out and, and uh, uh, doing any of the things that, that we would consider to be uh, atrocious or sinful behaviors, but he's not doing what God's called him to do. And we in our lives can be in the same spot that Jonah is. We tend to sometimes do things that Anything other than what God is calling us to do. We think, hey, I can be busy over here doing this, and I can be busy over there doing it. We even busy ourselves with ministry work. But is it really what God's calling us to do? Is it really what God wants us to do? I challenge you tonight to think of the things that God's called you to do that you've run away from. Perhaps it's to take a moment and to share your faith with a family member that's so difficult for you to do. Or maybe it's just simply your neighbor. 
or a friend or someone that you know, how often have you simply refused to do what God's called you to do because it's inconvenient or it might cause some embarrassment, perceived embarrassment, to go and to share with someone about your faith. Perhaps you're afraid of being a Bible thumper or a religious goody two-shoe, and so you don't want to share with someone when God calls you to share your faith. Maybe it's painful for you to recount how your life was before you came to know Christ, and, and so it's hard for you to share with others because you don't want to relive what you've come out of and what God's delivered you from. But He's given you that testimony, that witness, so that others might understand and know that they too can be saved and delivered from it in their life. Whatever it is, or whatever the excuse is in your life, when it all boils down to it, you're running away from God's direction in your life just as much as Jonah And praise the Lord, we don't live on the coast because maybe some of us would be out in the sea being tossed about, needing to be rescued by God after being thrown in to the sea. Maybe we're not in the midst of the ocean, but we are in a turmoil. We're in a great turbulence in our life simply because we refuse to do what God is calling. And He's calling us back to do His will. Well, Jonah gets the picture and while he's in the, in the fish for three days and three nights, he cries out to God, not even knowing whether or not God will deliver him. Lord, uh, we have... 2020 hindsight that's a thousand years old. We know that Jonah is going to be spat out onto dry ground, but Jonah in the midst of it didn't know. So he pleads with God. He prays. At one point, will you concede? What does God have to put you through for you to choose to finally do what God called you to do? So many of us think, the biggest lie that so many of us think is that God can't use us and that God doesn't have something for us to do. I think it's blinders that we put on ourselves to keep us from uh, really seeing what it is that God has called us to do. Jonah will go to Nineveh and lead a great revival that will change the course of a nation for many years. Just think of what God could do in your life and how God could use you. Maybe it's not to change the course of a nation. Maybe it's just simply to change the course of a neighbor, a friend, a child a grandchild who will later go on to impact 
many more people than you'll ever realize. What does God have to do to change your course? Let's pray.